Look at this world sometimes. Everybody look around and see this, and, and, and things will happen uh, from the grand scale of things. Just things happen, and you go, what in, the, what in the world? I tell people my neck is sore from shaking it so much. And I want to give you a verse this morning that sums up everything that's going on in the world this morning. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Let's look at this. Woe to those who call evil good. That's the world we're living in today. And good evil. It seems like everything that's wrong today is being exalted. And everything that's good and right is being pushed down. Does anybody see, live in the same world that I live in? It says, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. How many know Isaiah is a prophetic book? It was written thousands of years ago. Matter of fact, 700 years before Jesus came to the earth to die on the cross for our sins, the book of Isaiah was prophesying the future for us. And he was saying that this day was going to come when good would be called evil and evil would be called good. And so I want us to open our hearts this morning to hear the voice of the Lord, what he wants to speak. Father, I pray that your anointing would come upon this word, this verse, and upon everything that you're placing in my heart to teach and preach to your people today. I pray for fruit to remain out of it. I pray for devils to be chased out of here, demons to be destroyed, and lives to be changed. And I pray for your word to come alive this morning. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And, Lord, it's, it, it pricks our hearts and it divides bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And, devil, you are defeated right now and all your powers are disarmed by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And I thank you for your goodness and your grace in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Tell the person next to you, God's going to speak something to you today. Now, tell them this, don't be that one. Okay, don't be that one. You'll, you'll find out what that means. Here's my title. The falling away. Now, I'm gonna, this is going to be in two parts, and I'm going to explain it this morning. We are living in a time right now that is totally so prophetic of the days that we're living in that we have never seen before. The Bible is going to tell us in a few moments, we're going to look into scriptures. How many are thankful that when we preach in the message, it comes from the scriptures? Amen. Lots of scriptures, lots of Bible, lots of word to teach you the word because the word is what changes us. So there's a great falling away coming. And then I want you to notice that bottom part, and I'm going to kind of hit both things. It says, it would be worse. Okay, it would be worse. Now, just, just to give you a little bit of understanding where I'm going so you don't get lost. I'm going to talk about a future event that we talk about a lot, and we don't even talk about it enough, even though we talk about it a lot. The next thing on God's calendar is the church being raptured to go home. How many are looking for that next event that Jesus has for us in, in Bible prophecy? Oh, that was a nice golf clap. Do I have golf clothes on? Hold on a second. Okay, that was a great golf clap. You ever seen that on TV? It's good to sleep to golf. Y'all going to put me to sleep. Amen. It could be worse means Jesus is going to come get the church, the one that's awake that's looking for him. And when we're gone, all hell's going to break loose on this earth. The Bible says there's a time coming that's never been before and never will be again. Okay? And in this time that's coming, it's going to be called the Great Tribulation. And so we're going to see later that it, it would be worse if it wasn't for the church. Okay? Tell the person next to you, if it weren't for you, it'd be worse. Now, I want to start off by reading something that goes right out of Isaiah 520. And 
so you know the falling away, this is another kind of a cheat sheet for the service, the message, the falling away is not talking to the world. This message this morning is not for the world. How many know when we come to church, the, church is, the, rest, the message is for us? So the falling away is not for the, for the people who are already lost because you can't fall away from something that you're not a part of. So this great falling away is church people, Christians, who are going to leave the faith. Tell someone next to it, not me. That's the attitude I need you to have this morning. It's not going to be me. Okay? And that, but the Bible predicts that this is going to happen. And so as, this, as we're reading this and understanding this, things are happening and unfolding in the church world. I've been telling you, I feel like I protect you more from the church world than I do from the world today because there's so much garbage going on in the church world, so much compromise, so many things being allowed and accepted that are against the Bible. How many know that in these last days, the truth is going to be louder and louder and louder, and it's going to be hated more as well, and we've got to stand like we've never stood before. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Amen? So I'm going to read you something from uh, uh, our sweet Linda from, that she sent me from a church she used to go to. Uh, and it's, it's a denomination. And uh, I'm not going to say the name of the church here in Denton, but it is a denomination. And I'm going to say the name of the denomination that she came out of. And she sent me this because she still gets emails. She comes to our 9 o'clock service. She's a widow in our church. And uh, she sent me this. And I'm going to read it verbatim from them. It says, hello, everyone. By the way, this is from the Lutheran Church, okay? And I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if this is across the board. This isn't just that Lutheran Church. This is probably something they've made a decision on as a denomination. Uh, from the Lutheran Church, hello, everyone. For the past three years, this is written by the pastor, our congregation has been discerning whether to become a reconciling in Christ community, making our welcome to the LGBTQIA community. Now remember, church, that it used to be LG. Then they added the B. Then they added the T. Then they added the Q. Then they added the I. Let me tell you what's coming next, and I said it many years ago. Add the P. Anybody know what P is? Pedophile. Mark my word, that's the next letter that's coming on to that. And, and David and I, my friend David, were talking about this yesterday, and I totally forgot, and he sent it between services. The UN, United Nations, declares pedophilia should be decriminalized from the United Nations. So you're shaking your head? So, this, so this, this is what's next because once you open the door to something with sin, there's no closure. Once you say this is okay, what, when do you stop saying it's not okay? And, and we, there's no way that I could ever have even believed, even when I said it, that someday the P would be on there. But now it's, it's not only going to be on there, it's being embraced. Okay? So now going back to this church uh, statement, and I'm reading this verbatim. We make welcome our LGBTQIA community explicit and official. Listen, after conversations and surveys and Bible study. I don't know what in the world Bible these people are reading. The, the team has crafted a welcome statement that meets, it, uh, meets reconciling works guidelines and resembles our current welcome on the back of our bulletins. So I have the welcome that they put on the back of their bulletins. And it says that they proposed this statement to their church council last Thursday. This is the church council church, not the world, that 
last Thursday evening, and it was approved unanimously. So here's what the welcome says. God's grace encompasses everyone. That's true. God welcomes, cherishes, and affirms each person. That's true. And all are made in God's image. That's all true. At this church, I won't say the name, we strive to look like the kingdom of heaven. We acknowledge, now pay attention to what I'm reading, we acknowledge the harm that is often done in the name of Jesus when the church falls short of God's vision. We affirm and celebrate. We affirm and celebrate the LGBTQIA plus people and relationships. And we commit the work of racial equity, social and economic justice, environmental care, blah, 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 blah. And you go on to say a bunch of other stuff. Church, anybody is welcome in this church, but we are never going to celebrate your sin. Did you hear what I said? Can I get a louder whistle? We're never going to celebrate your sin. Never. We welcome anyone. Anyone can come in as they are, the life they're living in. But this is different. This is celebrating and saying it's okay to live that lifestyle. This is the kind of stuff that's in the church today. And it has infiltrated the church all around the world, not just that denomination, but all denominations. And it's, it's, it's a spirit that is a prophetic sign of how close we are to the return of Jesus. And I'm going to show you in some scriptures today where we're at. As this has infiltrated the church, listen, a cultural research, research center, they do a lot of polling, said this, 58% of Americans do not believe in an absolute moral truth that comes from the Bible. 58% of Americans. Almost 6 out of 10 Americans say this is not absolute moral truth. I guarantee you 100 years ago, that was not the case, okay? And as a matter of fact, if you do stats going back to like the 60s and 50s, 80% of people in the United States went to church every Sunday. Today, it's less than 40. In just 50 years, the decline, the falling away is happening every day right before our eyes. Tell the person next to you, it's not going to be me. In Jesus' name, listen to this. Evangelicals is considered anybody who believes the gospel, according to this stat, okay? 46% of evangelicals do not believe in an absolute moral truth. Four, almost five, almost half the church, the evangelical church, whatever that is, doesn't matter, I'm just giving you a stat. We know it's not ours. Can you say amen? Does not believe that this is the absolute moral truth of God. That's the problem we're living in today. We cannot let culture dictate the way we think. Can I say that again? We cannot let culture dictate the way we think. The Bible says we're not supposed to be conformed to this world. We're supposed to renew our minds and be transformed according to the word of God and not according to what the world says and unfortunately today not to what the church says. I'm teaching you today, church, that you better be thankful that you're in a place, and this has nothing to do with me, that you're in a place that preaches the truth of the Bible and preaches it just as it is and just what it says and not what I think. Somebody say with me this morning, the Bible says. Somebody over here in the middle say, the Bible says. Over here, one more time, the Bible says. We need to learn how to say the Bible says instead of I think. Or my opinion is. Opinions are like noses. Everybody has them. 
Opinions don't matter. There's a truth, and the Bible says the truth will set you free. How many know that God wants to set people free with truth? You can't do whatever you want, say whatever you want, go wherever you want. There's a truth, there's a moral, there's a compass, and it's God's word. But the Spirit of God says in the last days there's going to be a falling away. How many would agree with me today people are looking for hope? They don't know where to find it. How many would agree people are looking for answers? They're looking for answers. I even saw, I had it in my paper, but I lost it, and I should have got it between services, but we had a little meeting between services, and the devil stole it from me. He's in the sound booth. He's in the printer. He's in the Internet. He's all over, all over the prints of the air. But the basic idea is this, this doctor came out and just said, that you can change your sex, you can change your body parts, but every cell in your body made by God says that every gene in your body is who you were born to be. Did y'all hear that? You can do, you can do an, what's the word, annihilation or, or uh, that's not the word, uh, Mutilation. Thing you can mutilate your body, you can change all your body parts. But the but the science says the doctors say they don't want to talk about science when it doesn't convene convene them. That you can change all the body parts. I can say I'm a woman. I can do all these things. But every cell in my body says I'm a man. The falling away, it would be worse. I'll tell you what that means in a minute. This generation is searching for God, but they're giving they're being given the wrong answers. We need to let this generation know that they're, they're searching for something. They need to start search, stop searching for something and start searching for someone. And his name is Jesus Christ. How many believe that we have the someone this morning? How many believe we have the someone this morning? And we, this world needs to know who that someone is and the church needs to be reminded. Now, how many like when Jesus talks? Jesus said in his word, he said, there's an event coming. The disciples came and they said, they said Master, how will we know, and, and I want to say this too, and I'll say it again in a second. Every generation that's ever lived since Jesus believed they were the generation that would see the return of Christ. Because that's how God set the Bible up. Every generation. Your grandparents, my grandparents, looked until the day they breathed their last breath for the rapture. They were looking for a hole in the sky, not a hole in the ground. They were looking. They were watching. Every generation has watched. And the time of the Bible, they were watching. And they said, Jesus, how do we know when we're getting close to the return, when you're going to come back to get us? And Jesus said, let me tell you. And he reads this entire discourse in Matthew 24. And I want to give you his words, verse 10. Look at this. Matthew 24, verse 10. He says, then many, he says, right before I come back, this is what he's saying here, right before I return for the church, Right before I come to take my bride home. How many are the bride this morning? Males, you got to understand, we're the bride. Amen? We're the bride of Christ. Right before I come back for my bride, right before I come and get him, and, and I'm going to show a movie pretty soon at some point called Before the Wrath. Me and Pastor Marshall were talking about this. My wife and I watched it. How many have heard me say uh, the, the example about the Jewish wedding, how it looks like the rapture and the seven days and all that beautiful thing? There's a great documentary that I highly, highly approve of, and I'm going to show it. I actually have it on DVD, maybe, probably on a Wednesday night, maybe even this Wednesday. I don't know, that's why you don't want to miss. But I'm going to show it, and it shows this beautiful picture of the wedding that I told you about. And, and it actually taught me something I didn't know. I knew all about the wedding, but the, the wedding itself is called a Galilean wedding. How many know that two-thirds of the New Testament was, was written and happened in Galilee? 
all the disciples were from Galilee. So when the wedding, the Galilean wedding, which is that thing that shows the Jesus coming for his bride and that whole picture, they would have understood perfectly what he was saying because he was talking about their culture. Okay? So I'm going to show that, and it's so powerful. And, and, and he's saying, before that happens, many will be offended. See, the problem is today, in a lot of churches, not only is it not preached, but when and if it's preached, it's people get offended. If you're in this place, and right now what I read about the LGBT community and all that stuff, and I say something about that pricks your heart, then you need to understand you might be in danger of falling away. Amen? Because you'll be, he said, many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Didn't say a few, he said many. Then many false prophets. Right now there's so many false prophets. What's a false prophet? Somebody who's false. Somebody who's a, a fake. Somebody who doesn't take this word literally and preach it like it is says, we'll come and rise up, and let me tell you, they've risen up, and they're using social media, and they've got great crowds, thousands and thousands of people, thousands and thousands of followers. There was one guy, just as an example, I'm not going to say his name, doesn't matter, he got saved, transformed, changed his life, began to preach the gospel at 22 years old, wrote a marriage book, it was a bestseller, he, he, he was mightily used. God began to build a church. He, the church got too big. It became a mega church. He was preaching to thousands and thousands of people, became famous, all those different things. God was using them at some point. At some point, God stops using them because they stopped doing what they started with. You realize that? They get, they get popular. They get fame in their own eyes. They get to be somebody. They think they're somebody. And this pastor now today is under the, the new doctrine called deconstruction. Have you heard of it? Deconstruction, meaning they're deconstructing their faith, meaning they no longer believe in Jesus Christ. And they're teaching people how to deconstruct their faith, how to basically get unsaved. Same person who preached the gospel with fire at 22 years old is now deconstructing it's happening all over the place. I'm just giving you one example. It's happening. Pastors are shutting down. Pastors are quitting. Pastors are committing affairs. Pastors are doing this and the other. And, and the problem is, is that's what the world sees. And just like everything in our world today, it, they're looking for an opportunity to bash us. And every, every tree that, that bears fruit, it all comes off the same tree in their eyes. We got to be different. Tell the person next to you, it's not going to be me. Amen. So it says, many will rise up and deceive. There's the word. If you're taking notes, and very few are, but if you're taking notes, write the word deceive real big. Real big. You smart people that are taking notes. Some of you could have slept at home. Glad you're here, though. Maybe you'll get something. He'll deceive many. This looks, this looks and feels like a lukewarm crowd. This is not a lukewarm crowd, is it? All right, all right, all right, just, just seeing where you're at. Because this is what's happening today. People are coming to church and falling asleep. Might as well stay at home. But you're awake, right? Tell the person next time I'm awake. I'm listening. I'm here. Devil not going to get me. Amen. He says he'll deceive many. This is a proof. This is a sign. He's saying this is going to happen before I come. And because lawlessness will abound. 
This is Jesus Christ's words. Now, I want to say something very important here. This is very, very important. We need to remember that when words like this come, we might stop and think by the deception of the, of the devil. We might think, why would Jesus want lawlessness to abound? And why would Jesus let false prophets deceive many? And why would the love of many grow cold? And why we would think that way. I want you to remember something. Jesus doesn't want any of that to happen. Jesus just knows it's going to happen. Do you understand the difference? The Bible says he wants everyone to be saved, that none should perish, that all should have everlasting life. We choose to to reject Jesus. We choose to fall asleep. We choose to compromise. We choose to fall away. Amen? And let me give you an example of that. How many have ever watched a parade? Ever watched like the Macy's parade or or the Rose Bowl parade? My wife loves both of those. She likes to get up and just kind of hear it. Ever since she was a a child, she used to watch them, and and, uh, she she likes to watch those. And next year, my my nephew is actually going to be in the Macy's parade. He's he's in the Flower Mound Band. Flower Mound got chose to be in the Macy's parade next year. And so that's pretty cool. In a parade, when you're sitting at the parade and you're looking wherever you're sitting, even if you have a really good seat and you're right up front, you're only seeing what's passing by. You might be able to see a little bit ahead. You might be able to see a little bit of what's passed by. But you can't see the end from the beginning. God sees the end from the beginning. And so if you want to understand how God sees things, there's a, usually a good year blimp that goes up above the parade and looks down over the parade. And that, that blimp can see the end from the beginning of the prayer. Sometimes they show the whole procession. That's how God sees things. We can't see it all. But when we see Bible prophecy, he is telling us what the end looks like from the beginning. So put that verse 12 back up again for a second, please. And look what Jesus says is going to happen. He says, how you'll know that my return is close is there'll be a great falling away and lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. And King James says, wax cold. And thank God it's wax because wax can be relit and resoftened and reaffirmed. This is Jesus' words. So church, we're living in the day of the great falling away. And I'm not talking about how wicked the world is because the world's already lost. I'm talking about a church who's falling away from the truth and compromising. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians. This is the text. This is the text. This is the main part of what I want to show you this morning. Paul now. Take it down for just a second so I can say something so they stay stay with me. Paul now is being asked the same question Jesus was asked by his disciples. Now he's being asked by his disciples, and he says, they're telling him, have we missed the rapture? Have we missed the rapture? They're thinking, because every generation thought it, that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime, because that's how the word preaches. But you've got to remember that they didn't have the finished book yet. They didn't have the book of Revelation yet. And so they thought, have we missed the rapture? Are we in the tribulation? Today there are people saying, are we in the tribulation? I'll give you an easy answer. No. We're not in the tribulation. The tribulation is very simple to understand when it will start. The, the first thing you've got to understand is if you're a true believer and you love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you won't be here to see the tribulation start because it will start after we're in heaven. If you want to see it start, you can get what you want and stay here. How many don't want to be here? Do I have any smart people in here this morning? The Bible says we're not appointed to wrath. We're not supposed to be here for that. 
And I'll show you that in the scriptures, and i got to be careful not to go off too long on each thought. But they're asking, have we missed it? And so if you think we're in the tribulation today or someone's asking you that, no, that's not. The rapture is going to happen, chaos is going to break out, and the Antichrist is going to rise up and he's going to be the Savior. Right now, church, the Muslims and the Jews are looking for the Antichrist. Do you realize that? One billion people in the Muslim religion, and I don't know how many Jewish people that, are, that, that were deceived and missed Jesus, are looking for their Messiah. The problem is the Messiah they're going to believe in is the Antichrist. That's why the church isn't going to be here. Church, we don't need to look for the Antichrist. We have the Christ. We have the Christ. Anything that's anti-Jesus is, is Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. We won't be here. Well, why are we talking about this then? Because we've got to understand where we're at. So they're saying, Paul, have we missed the rapture? And here's his answer, 2 Thessalonians. Because if you know your scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about the rapture. Dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who alive and remain shall be caught up in the Lord with the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Next verse says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, which is what we're supposed to be looking for this morning, which is why we're supposed to have oil in our lamps and we're supposed to be on fire for God and not sleeping and caught up in carousing and drunkenness and the things of this world. We're watching, we're looking, we're waiting because his return is at any moment. He says, we ask you. Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter. In other words, if somebody else is coming and telling you that something's already happened, don't listen to them. As, is, as if it were from us. As though, watch this, as though the day of Christ had already come. And then he says, here you go, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. If you don't get anything else out of this message this morning, let no one deceive you. Church, Pastor, how do I not get deceived? You stay in the Word. You don't compromise the Word. He says, by any means, today these great speakers, because that's what they are, they're great speakers, with eloquent words, are fooling lots of people. They look and sound like they have the truth but they're preaching doctrines of demons. I'm getting ahead of myself, by the way. For that day, the rapture will not come unless what comes first? The rapture can't happen unless the falling away comes. What I'm reading to you is the falling away. Where churches are saying we've studied the Bible and we don't see in the Bible that God said, in the beginning, God created man and woman. Female and male created he them. I don't know what Bible they're reading, but they Bible study somehow and find some verses somehow. I'd love to see the Bible verses that they're using because they're leaving a lot out. But they say good, sound good, look good. And listen, here's another thing. As long as there's a lot of people there, they're right. As long as the church is full, oh, we must not be a great church this morning. We got empty seats. But, man, when it's full, they got to be right. 
10,000 people go there, they got to be right. They got the TV station. They got all the bells and whistles. They got the famous people singing. They got to be right. God's got to be with them. That day won't come unless the falling away comes first. And then watch this. It says the man of sin is revealed. You got to know your Bible. The son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. But what comes first? The rapture. The falling away, the rapture, then the Antichrist. And then it says, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and is worshipped. And again, if you know your Bible, in the book of Revelation, that's it, that called the abomination of desolation. And that's going to be three and a half years into the tribulation. When the Bible says he will sit as God in the temple of God. See, when he comes on the scene and the rapture has happened that I'm going to be in and I'm going to be gone and I'm going to be eating all kinds of crazy delicious food and not gaining any weight and seeing my Jesus face to face and waiting for him to tell me the things I did good and bad so I could get my reward and I could give it back to him and worship him at his feet. While all that great awesomeness is happening, the tribulation is going to start. And this man is going to rise out of the chaos of hundreds of millions of people disappearing from the earth. You think 9-11 did something with 3,000 deaths. How about 100 and 100 and 100 and 100 million people gone, babies gone, people gone all over the earth, crashes, insurance will go bankrupt. You, we can't even explain chaos. I've been telling you that the last pandemic was planned. The next pandemic is going to be the rapture. And the rapture is going to cause a pandemic that will cause all the knees to bow. And you'll have to use the QR code to buy. And you'll have to be a part of the system. And this man is going to come on the scene and he's going to be a Messiah. And he's going to say, all those, thank God, all those crazy, wicked, mean people are gone and the aliens got them exactly what's going to happen. He's going he's gonna to talk it away, and the world is going to rejoice that us hateful Christians who stand on the truth and just say the Bible says they're gone. They're going to rejoice. And then they're going to say, oh, this is the man this is the man we've been looking for. This is the Messiah. He's going to do miracles. He's going to do what no one's been able to do for 2,000 years. He's going to bring peace to the Middle East in a day. He'll, he'll rise up out of nothing and be somebody, and he'll have the answer. The man of perdition, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. And then he'll say, hey, Jews, you can build your temple." Everything that needs to be in the temple for it to be built is sitting in a warehouse right now. Everything. Everything. They're waiting for the permission. They can't do it or it will cause World War III right now because the Muslims have a mosque there. Somehow this Messiah, because he'll be the, how will that happen, Pastor? Because he'll be the Messiah for the Jews and the Muslims. Same person. Did you know that right now in Abu Dhabi, there's a sanctuary for the Christians, the Jews, and the Muslims to worship God together? They opened it this year. The Christians, the Muslims, and the Jews, just so you know, that's not us Christians. We not them. Amen? Y'all here? 
I'm, I'm going off on this a little bit that I did in the first service because somebody needs to hear it. But this is what's going to happen. This man's going to come on, and he's going to be the Savior. Sounds crazy. Oh, I'd never fall for that. But what are we falling for now? What's deceiving us now? We're so easily deceived, he says. Put that back up where we were, please, and let me finish this part. So he's going so to give them permission to build the temple. They're going to build it. They're going to start worshiping. They're going to be all happy. And all oh, this is what we've been waiting for. And then he's going to walk into the temple at the middle of the tribulation. Exactly. Say exactly. Say it again. Exactly. 360 or three and a half years into the tribulation. Exactly the day of. Because he's a day of numbers. He will walk in that temple and say, I'm God. He'll blaspheme God. I'm God. I'm not just the Messiah. I'm God. And that's when all hell will really break loose because God begins, that's the, that second part begins the wrath of God. The first three and a half years is just tribulation. The second half is wrath. All out wrath. Okay? And the Bible says we're not appointed unto wrath. Okay? So then he says, showing himself that he is God. Let's finish here. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now, watch this, you know what is restraining. This is where the part of the message comes in. It would be worse. Now you know what is restraining, that he, the Antichrist, may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, do you see the capital H? Stay with me. If you've been asleep, wake up right here. And he who now restrains, do you know what restrains means? Holds back. The brawl. You ever see two people fighting? You get in, you put your arms out, you try to stop them. We are restraining. The Holy Spirit is the he. And it says he's the restrainer. But this is important. The Holy Spirit, where does the Holy Spirit abide? In us, in our bodies, in our lives. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So right now, we are holding back. You think this world's bad right now? It's not as bad as it would be. Because the church is here. People are righteous and standing up and praying. And even though it's still so horrible, it would be and it will be worse when the restrainer is taken out. Does that sound like anything? That's the rapture. When the restrainer, the embodiment, see, we are the embodiment of the Holy Spirit. When the rapture happens, the restrainer is taken out. And God says, now, give them what they want. I'm removing my, my church. Now, you, can, you, you think this was all fun and games? This messing around and mutilating and messing with my creation and all. It's all been fun and games till now. Now my church is gone. And the church is in heaven. Holy Spirit's still here, by the way. People who teach that the Holy Spirit's going to leave, that's not true. The Holy Spirit will still be on the earth, but he will not be embodying the church. The church will be gone. Imagine... Today, I always say hundreds of millions. I wish it was billions. I hope it's billions. I don't think it is. I hope it is. I hope it's billions. But I say hundreds of millions because I think that's more probably precise. 
Can you imagine what this world would feel like today if hundreds of millions of Christians weren't praying like we did today this morning for our service and for church and restraining? Standing up against wrong? Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the church is gone? His spirit will still be here because the Bible says people will get saved and no one can get saved unless the Holy Spirit draws them. The Holy Spirit will be here. But the restrainer is the church. That's why I said the falling away and it would be worse and it will be worse. And if we weren't here right now as the church, it would already be worse. And then, it says then, then, what did it say? The restrainer's taken out the way and then the lawless one will be revealed. We will not see the Antichrist. I'm not going to see him. I can't speak for you. I'm not going to see him. I don't need to see the Antichrist. I have the Christ. Whom the Lord will consume, this is also future, with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Let me see what the next verse is before I say something else. Okay, go back just one, one second because i got to finish. He'll destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's the end of the tribulation. So you've got to take these and you've got to add revelation to it so you understand the, the chronological order. The rapture, the Bible says, to make this clear, because there's people who think that we believe in, as Christians, our church or whoever, we believe in two second comings. No, we believe in a rapture and the second coming of Christ. There are two events. In the rapture, Jesus does not touch this earth. He does not come down and touch this earth. He is in the air. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up into the air into the, to meet the Lord in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He's taking us up to heaven for the Bema seat for seven years. Okay? And then we're gone. The second coming of Christ. So in the rapture, watch this. He's taking the saints with him up to heaven. In the second coming, he's coming back with the saints, us, to the earth. And the second time, he will touch down on the Mount of Olives, what's called the, what's called the Battle of Armageddon, and he will destroy the Antichrist and the false prophet and the beast at the brightness of his coming. It'll be a quick war, and he'll, the devil will be thrown into the bottomless pit. For a thousand years, and then we will live on this earth with glorified bodies, with people still on the earth who aren't in glorified bodies, meaning we, are, we will live forever, we are mortal. Sounds like some of the movies, doesn't it? But it's the Bible. And we'll live on this earth the way God intended it. So I hate this world and I hate the way it is, but we're coming back to it, but it's going to be a different world. It's going to be the world God intended because there will be no devil. I like that. You're smart. You like that, don't you? This is a smart kid right there if you never talked to him. There'll be no devil and no demons tempting us. So the earth will be different. Jesus will be the president of the world. Jesus. That's my president. Amen? Let's keep reading. Y'all still here? I'm preaching way better than you're clapping and amen. That's all right. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power and signs and lying wonders. Church, we don't give the devil glory, but you better understand, he had the power to take a third of God's angels out of heaven. See, I respect him. I don't, I don't fear him, but I respect him because I know he has the power to fool me if I don't know God's word. Because he fooled a third of the angels in heaven that were standing in the presence of God. Somehow. Somehow. 
He deceived them. Oh, he won't deceive me. He deceived them. Pride comes before a fall. Humble yourself and thank God for his mighty hand. Humble yourself. And then it says, lying wonders and with all, watch this, this is all unrighteous deception. Unrighteous deception. This is what's happening today. Among those who perish. Today, instead of being righteous people, we're constantly looking for things we can do to be more like the world. Constantly. How can I sin more and walk the line instead of saying, I don't want anything to do with that stuff. Because today there's a lot of churches sitting in their church pews and their church seats, and the devil is doing like a bunch of frogs in the church building, and they're being boiled alive. You put a frog in water, and you put it at the right temperature, and, and he just sits there. And you slowly, slowly, slowly turn the heat up. And that frog will stay in there and boil himself alive and never leave because the temperature slowly, slowly kills him. That's what's happening today. A little bit of compromise. A little bit more over here. And a little bit more over here. Is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? Should I do this? Can I do, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this and still be a Christian? Can I, can I, can I? That's what the world's looking for. Instead of being more like Jesus, we say, how much can I be like the world and still go to heaven? Unrighteous deception because they did not receive the love of the truth. You know how you know you're right? You love the truth. You might not like it, but you love it. When I'm sitting in a message and it comes hard and heavy and it's touching my spirit and it's penetrating my heart, I say, thank you, Lord. I need that right there. I need some good, strong teaching of the Bible that tells me I need to be right. That they might be saved. They could be saved, but they don't love the truth. And for this reason, God sends them a strong delusion. Church, there's coming a time when God's going to say, just like Pontius Pilate did, I've contended with you for thousands of years. I've sent my missionaries. I've sent my evangelists. I've sent my pastors. You don't want to believe the truth. I'm going to give you over to a strong delusion. I'm going to let you. It's parallel to Romans chapter 1 that says he gives us over to a reprobate mind. Only a reprobate mind. I'm sorry, it's the truth. Only a reprobate mind can do these things that they do with their bodies. Only a reprobate mind can say that God made me a certain way, but I'm going to make myself a different way. Only a reprobate mind can do those things. Can get to a place where God says, you want to do that? Go ahead. Have at it. I'm done. He'll love you all the way to hell. But he, he gets to a place where he says he'll give them over to the strong because it says that they should believe the lie. Because they want to. People want to believe the lie. No, they don't. Yes, they do. We just got to come to grips with that. Verse 12. That all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That all may be condemned who did not believe. Who's, who's condemned? Those who don't believe. No one's going to be in hell that didn't send themselves there. God's not sending nobody to hell. 
We send ourselves there by not believing the truth and having pleasure in unrighteousness. This is where we're at today, church. It's okay that it's quiet in here. That's good because we're thinking. And, and we, should be like, we should be like the disciples. You know, Jesus got in the crowd with, the, with, the, with his disciples and he said, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. And you know what they started to do? The ones who were right, they started to say, is it me? Is it me? And guess who didn't? The one who was going to betray him. He didn't say, is it me? He thought he was good. So it's okay. We need these moments. We need this teaching because this is the day we're living in. And I'm telling you, we're in perilous times. Time is short. The devil the Bible says if he's roaring like a mighty lion 2,000 years ago, what is he doing today? You've got to make a decision for yourself. As for me and my house, I'm serving the Lord. That's not going to be me. I'm not going to fall away. Give me the truth, Lord, or let me die. I want the truth. Tell the person next to you, I want the truth. Y'all still here? told you to write that word deception down. Deception. Deception. This is called the great apostasy. And this is interesting. I want to say this again if I have it. I think I have, but I want to hit it home. The great apostasy is not the world choosing the devil and going to hell. It's the church falling away from the truth. Apostasy, listen to the definition, is abandoning the truth. So at some point, it was right, it was wrong, it was truth, it was a lie, and now I'm in a place, if I get to that place, I don't know what's truth, I don't know what's right, because I don't have a, no compass in my life no more, and I've allowed things to come in and fool me, and this is not the world, it's Christians. Y'all still here? Watch this, 1 Timothy chapter 4, watch this. This, is, this may be the last time we're in church together, never know. Oh, Lord, let today be the day. Let today be the day, Lord. There's a spirit, though, spirit of Antichrist. And it says in latter times, now, church, I preached last week in Denver, and I told the church, I said, we're not in the last days. We're in the last minutes, maybe the last seconds. I'm going to read this in a second. I got up last week. I did something I'd never done ever and ever in 30 years of preaching. I'm preaching, and I'm in the middle of the service, in the middle of the sermon, and the Holy Spirit said, you need to do an altar call right now. And I said, if you're here right now, and you would not make heaven your home, right now, stand up. And 20 people stood up. Right in the middle of the service. Right, they just stood up. They didn't look around. They, they weren't, it was like, phew. And Pastor Marshall told me a bunch of them had never been to church before. And I said the sinner's prayer right there in the middle of the service. Because we weren't promised the end of the service. There's a spirit that's working church in the church. You've got to understand this. He says one of, the, one of the greatest signs, if not the greatest sign that I'm coming, is that the church falls away. In latter times, they'll depart from the faith. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. The, 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 to me, biblically, the OSAS preaching is a doctrine of demons. 
that you can get saved at 13 say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I've got my ticket, and no matter how I live my life, I'm going to make heaven my home. That's not biblical. If this tells me I can, some will depart from the faith, that means you can depart from the faith. Don't try to make the words fit your life. Make the, your life fit the words. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's what's being preached today. Doctrines of demons. Next verse, please. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Now, here's what happens. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. They get to a place where they no longer feel the spirit of conviction. Now, I want to clarify what I just said. I want you to understand because it's not a biblical teaching. You can walk away from Jesus Christ. He'll never walk away from you, but he said, abide in me and I'll abide in you. I have an eternal security this morning because I know I'm living by the word of God and I'm falling in love with Jesus more every day and I know that's why I'm going to make heaven my home. But if I'm not careful, I can fall away. I can fall away. I can choose to stop doing what I'm supposed to do. I know some of you, in, I don't know personally, but I imagine some of you were raised in that. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Read the Bible. If he says you can depart from the faith, you can depart from the faith. You know what the OSAS has done? Some of you are like, what the heck is the OSAS? Once saved, always saved. You know what it's done? It's given people a license to sin. And some of them might have been able to be all right with a few of the little sins they started with. But the problem is the devil doesn't play like that. You give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. It's just one little thing. The devil says, that's what you think. I got a plan for you. So it gives a license to sin. Now, there's good people with good hearts that will never walk away from the Lord. But the problem is that teaching gives you this sense of compromise that you think, oh, it's grace, 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 grace. We're not under the law no more. Why does it say that, that people can fall away then? It's not talking to the, to, to the world. It's talking to the church. You can't fall away from something you're not a part of. So if you come from that background... Don't be married to the background. Be married to Jesus. Be married to the truth of the word. Can I tell you how not, not to fall away? And give me two minutes. How many want to know how not to fall away? I'll tell you if you ask. Three things, real quick, real quick. Just real quick. Number one, this is the most important one. Encourage yourself. You say this morning, I'm not going to be the one. Those people are falling away. People are falling away. People are falling. My family maybe, my friends, my loved ones, my church members. My, I'm not going to be the one. Encourage yourself. The reason some people do so many dumb things is because your eyes are on other people. Well, they're doing it. Well, they might go to hell. You going to go to hell with them? Just because they're in the church don't mean nothing. That's the problem. We see something in the church, it's automatically okay. It's not okay. You have to make a decision. Me and my wife have a wonderful marriage. Almost 30 years. We watched a really good Pure Flix movie last night about the what ifs. I said, aren't you glad we have the what if that we're together? It's a beautiful movie, great movie. What if, it's what it's called on Pure Flix. 
I have a great relationship with my daughters and my son-in-laws. I love my parents. I have a great relationship with my parents. But if my wife and my daughters and my parents or any of you stop serving God, I'm not going to be the one to fall away. I'm going to encourage myself because I'm going to stand before God one day by myself and you won't be there. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. That's how you're going to not fall away is you put your eyes on Jesus and say, if nobody else goes, I'm going to heaven. I surrender all that old song. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No, none go with me, still I will follow. 1 Samuel 36, 30 verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him and the soul of the people were grieved and every man and his sons and daughters. He was in big time trouble, but he said he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Too many of you base your, your faith, your walk, your strength, your happiness, your joy off somebody else's life. Don't do that. Have a relationship for yourself. Number two, examine yourself. How often? Every day. Several times a day. All the time. Examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Watch this. Oh, this is going to mess up the OSAS. It's going to mess up those people that got their ticket. Examine yourselves as to whether you're even in the faith. Are you even in the faith? Test yourselves. Watch this. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Now watch this. Can somebody just read that out for me? I didn't do that first. Just read that. Someone just shout it out. You can do it all together. What's the last part of that verse? What does it say? Unless you indeed are. To be disqualified by something, you have to have been qualified. If you have been qualified, you can be. I'm not wanting nobody to be disqualified. I'm just telling you, you can. You can fall away. Why are you telling us this, Pastor? Because you need to gird up your loins. I wish there was a better English thing for it, but like pull your pants up and keep yourself away from the world. Remember that ver gird up your loins? They had these long robes. They had to gird up their loins so they wouldn't touch. Our, our grandson Briar says, ew, when he doesn't like, ew. We need to say, ew, a lot more to the things of this world. Examine yourself. Lord, search me. Take that Holy Spirit flashlight and put it in and show me if there's the smallest little anger, unforgiveness, Church, things are going to happen in your life. People are going to be around you. People are going to say things. People are going to think things. People are going to act a certain way. And you're going you're gonna to have to guard yourself from what other people say or do about you or do to you. And don't let that spirit of unforgiveness or anger or frustration come on you because it's not going to affect them. It's going to affect you. Examine yourself. Lord, am I in the faith? Am I abiding in you? Number three. Exercise your faith. Do something. You know who's, who's in danger of falling away? The ones who sit in church and don't do nothing. Do something. You're not going to be a pre preacher. Not everybody's going to be a pastor. Not everybody. But do something. Be a sender. Be a prayer. Go witness. Pass out Jesus cards. Do something for the kingdom of God. Do something. If you're doing something then you're going to stay in, on fire for God. Don't be a spectator. That's why we're so encouraging about getting involved. Do something for the Lord. 
How many want a good verse to end with? Y'all love me this morning? Y'all love the truth this morning? Y'all want to go to heaven this morning? Don't want to fall away this morning? Oh, I love this kind of preaching. You know, I, 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 when I preach this kind of message, I just feel such a peace. Because God is pleased. Because he wants a church. I want this church to go to heaven. He's given me the blessing to shepherd you and to, to pastor you with the help of Pastor Mario and, and all of our leaders to, to get you to heaven. It's a blessing to look at you and see, man, they're making it for God. Because they're taking this word serious. Here's a great word in Jude. The book of Jude is just one chapter. You ought to read it. Po small but powerful. Now to him. Does anybody love Jesus in this place? Him. Jesus. See, that's why I want to go to heaven. That's why I want the rapture to happen. Because I want to see him. I want to see the one who took the nails for me. I want to see the one who shed his blood for me. It says to him, when I say him, it, that means something to me. To Jesus, who's able to keep me from stumbling. So there you go again. If you can stumble, he can keep us from stumbling. And to present me faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. See, it's going to be, church, a beautiful day. A beautiful moment when we stand before Jesus and he says, Father, I present to you faultless my son, Blake, because he believed on me, because he believed in the blood that I shed on the cross. I present to you faultless Blake. How many want Jesus to present you faultless? Amen. He's able to keep us this morning. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power forever and ever. Amen. Holy Spirit, begin to speak to your people. Holy Spirit, you're in this place. You're welcome. Your power and your might and your conviction and your assurance and your comfort and your confidence is in this place. How we're living and how we're walking depends on what we feel today. If it's conviction, if it's confidence. But Lord, today one thing we know we should not feel if we're a believer in Jesus Christ is condemnation. Because the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus as heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this congregation and those that are watching online or listening on the podcast, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and touching your heart and knocking on the door of your heart. And right now Jesus is saying, I want to come in and I want to sup with you and dine with you. I want to give you eternal life. I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Come and let me be your master, your savior, your everything. Let me in. Take over. Take control. If people are here right now across this congregation or watching online, and you've never said the prayer of Jesus, I believe. You died on the cross for my sins, and I'm a sinner today, and I want to be saved. You've never done that. You've never confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just quickly lift up your hand and say, I want the Jesus that you're talking about this morning. Just quickly. I'm going to wait just a moment all across this place. That's me. I'm not saved today. I'm not born again today. I'm not ready to meet Jesus today. 
If I died today, I don't know what would happen. Today's the day. Just lift up that hand all over this place. I'm going to wait just a moment. Maybe there's some on, 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 online listening on the podcast. I want us to stand across this place this morning, and then we're going to do a different part of the, of the prayer. I want us to pray this with those watching. I have to believe this morning that you are born again if you're in this place. I have to believe that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I trust that you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But let's say a salvation prayer for those watching online this morning, listening on the podcast. If the Lord is touching your heart this morning, just say this prayer from your heart, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. I believe in you this morning. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I'm hopeless and lost without you. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins, to take my place. And then I believe you rose from the dead to conquer death so I could live for eternity with you because that's what your word says. Forgive me right now of all my sins. Wash me clean with your precious blood. And Father, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning for anyone who might have said that online, listened on the podcast.